Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And thank you. That's the voice of Dick Warren welcoming us to another episode of The Coaching Show. Thank you, dear listener, for being with us. Alex, it's been a while. This would be Alex Terranova. He's our, our other host, the, the younger, more vital host, I guess. Uh, you, you did a thing. You went to a place and you did a thing. What'd you do? I did a thing. We did a men's retreat. Men's retreat. So there were only men there. Dude. There were, well, you know, who am I to decide how people like, you know, how, how, what categories people put themselves in? But I believe that all these men identified as men. Um, uh, at least that's what they told us. Uh, yeah, we had a uh, men's retreat, me and Bob Conlon, who you who you know, and also uh, were responsible for his upbringing, his coaching upbringing. Um, him and I led a retreat in Ash, uh, Ashton, Idaho. For about three days and three nights with, there were about 10 men, not including us. So 10 men and then the two of us. Was this one of those militia things I hear about? It was not a militia thing. There was an ax. There were no other weapons, but one ax. Um, but man, it was, uh, you would have, you would have been very proud. You would have been very, very proud to have seen uh, what we were able to do with these men. Uh, these men came in from all different walks of life, you know, some fathers, some divorced, some married, some multiple kids, uh, some men who haven't cried in 10 years, some men who don't know what anger is like. And by the end of the trip, every single man had had radically shifted within their emotions and what matters to them and who they were going to be when they went back home. Um, and I know you love feedback forms and every man was like, I would go again. I would recommend this again. It, it beat our expectations. And uh, I'm just going to attribute it to luck because, you know, first, first time is a charm. <laughs> well, great job. And uh, if people want to know more about it, if, if dudes, people who identify as men want to know more about it and participate, where do they go? Yeah, they can go to the dreammason.com. There's an alchemy of men tab. Uh, it's still the retreat that we had. We're going to do another one. We are figuring it out right now. Um, so they can also just email me at alex at thedreammason.com and uh, alex at thedreammason.com and I will give them all the information they need. But we are for sure doing one in 2023, um, possibly more than one and possibly some events outside of the retreat. Uh, it was it was that good that we went, we got to do more of this. Congratulations. And uh, the natives of Ashton, Idaho did not throw you out or have not asked you to not return? You know, not that we know. We were on 48. We were on 40 acres by ourselves. I don't think we could disturb anyone, you know. Well, that would be the voice of Alex Terranova, as I said, a longtime co-host or, or alternate host or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, uh, Sar of this program. Uh, you can find him about him and his books and his work by going to thedreammason.com. Um, anything in the works you want to brag about, or is that enough? Just the alchemy of men retreat that was a total win that went into the woods with you know, and came. I mean, I'll share with you. I was saying, nope. I, 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 hear you. can you hear me? Can you hear yeah, me? I'm right here. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll share with you what I was, what I think is something that's important to say. Um, and I was sharing with you, I, I wasn't, I'm not having the best day, but uh, I think a lot of it is on the other side 
we don't we don't often talk about what happens on the other side of big wins or on the other side of, you know, big victories or really big events, you know, maybe a marriage engagements, like any, you know, you get a new job, you're all excited, you get a promotion. Um, and right, we hit these highs. And then what happens when you hit a high? You, you have to come down, right? It's not possible to just stay up there the entire time. And uh, it's been actually really challenging coming back down from it. The the high of the having this impact, having this success, you know, just having it gone so well, it's been a challenging thing. And I think it would serve us as as people if we had that conversation more often. So we normalize like, hey, it's normal to go up and down. So, yeah. I'm uh, trying to avoid any jokes about how long I might have been high in a, in a previous uh, decade, but I'm appreciative of that reminder because we all, you know, we have great things, great months, great wins. And then you're right. There's a, there's a period after that, whether it's reflection or a refractory period or a, you know, a bit of a dip. So thanks for that reminder. And thanks for being here. I want to get to our guest, unless you have, do you have any questions of me and where I've been in all these weeks and months and stuff? I do want to tell, I mean, you look great. You look, you look thin and, and hair trimmed and ready. Like what's, uh, you know, what's going on? It's not, it's not for a job interview later. I'm, I'm just, uh, trying to tighten up my, my, my look here. Uh, I'm, I'm well and happy. Um, it's been a tough year, both, uh, professionally, well, mostly professionally. And, um, I'm just grateful, you know, we're heading into a season of holidays and the end of the year, and it's a great time to sort of take stock. And I've been taking stock and I got nothing but gratitude for my life and everything in it, including you, my friend. So thank you for the opportunity of doing this. Speaking of opportunity, how's that for a segue to our guest? Uh, Our esteemed guest today is joining us from her palatial mansion, I assume, in London, uh, the UK. Marina is a master certified coach with over 17 years of international experience in business management, talent development, and executive education. She's worked and lived in six countries, managed a global diversity and inclusion program for a company operating in 180 markets. She's been both an external and internal executive coach. She's empowered hundreds of leaders. As a coach and leadership development expert, she's collaborated with numerous public and private sector organizations, including NGOs. She holds a postgraduate degree in organizational psychology and human resource management from the University of London, Burbeck, and is a certified couple and family therapist workplace mediator, and nutritional therapist. I, could, I can use all of that. Please welcome to our microphone, Marina Yankovic. Hello. Hello, and thank you for having me. Uh, it's so wonderful to be with the two of you in this virtual room and to feel your energy uh, and your exchange of what you've been up to and what you're doing. So it's a pleasure as well to uh, finally be a guest on your show. I've been listening to your podcast. So thank you also for, for this important work that you're doing. Thank you, thank you for listening. I told you, Alex, somebody was listening. Um, <laughs> I'm always surprised that they don't leave. I can't hear you, Alex. Something going wrong with your... I'm, can you hear me? So now I can. Yes. Uh, there's like a delay. That's so odd. Um, I was going to say, I'm always surprised people don't leave during our introduction. They, you know, our banter, they seem to like it, but, you know, it's always, you know, or they just say that to be nice because they're already here. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Marina. Thank you. Great to be here. Rina, I, I often we dive right in with it to the deep end with a useful or powerful question, but I feel like there's so much happening in the business world these days that is 
that seems, uh, if not exactly misguided, at least poorly thought out. Um, do you have, as somebody who works in uh, mostly the private sector, but also public sector businesses, what are you seeing these days in terms of the the professional world, the, the world that of business? Anything you want to comment on? Listen, I would say madness um, and so many different things. And you're right. And not only in business, I would say in, in the world um, and particularly how people feel. Um, and when you asked me about the topic for this episode, I was thinking, what is it that probably most professionals have in mind uh, from time to time? Or what is it that I hear in my coaching sessions uh, people struggle with? And it's very often um, how they feel in their roles. I would say often senior roles, uh, experienced professionals who suddenly find themselves at the crossroad. They're not sure what they want, what kind of impact they want to create, how to get there. There's so much anxiety. And I think also externally, uh, obviously, we uh, pick up that collective vibration. And, and I actually picked something that I would like to also discuss with the two of you. And it's a big issue, I would say, in business in general, um, which is how people feel in their jobs. And recently I read that um, more than half of the UK workforce feels stuck in their jobs. And actually 35%, according to that uh, survey, would describe their job as soul-destroying, which made me think about what's the issue? What's the problem? Well, just glossing over the fact that Alex was talking about this job when he said that, um, I, I'm so glad to hear you say this because I'm experiencing people are still focused and still want support from coaching. But I'm experiencing this great resignation is what we've been calling it, right? Where people left their jobs. But I've been experiencing it for people who stayed in their jobs also. People seem remarkably resigned or, or kind of not captain of their own ship, so to speak, right? Like, oh, I just float along and hope that things are okay, as opposed to really taking charge or looking toward, powerfully towards a future that they want to create. Alex, what are you seeing? I think what you said is is pretty, you know, spot on. I think people are not just about their jobs. I think people are kind of resigned. People feel like a little bit powerless to just like all the things. Um, and look, even in, you know, I was thinking about if I just use myself as an example, I like what I do. I do well. And if I sit around and try to go, what else could I do? Or, you know, what else? Other, how are other ways I could make money or generate? Right? Like, usually that's a, that question is not, very helpful. It come you kind of come up blank. Well, it, it's not, it's not almost specific enough to generate an answer. It's just too ambiguous. It's like when you say to somebody, "What do they want?" and it's like they're like, "I mean, I don't know." They could just throw stuff out. I think that we, I really think that we're in some great shift. I don't know what that is. From, you know, like the uh, the industrial age has to be like shifting, right? We're in a te more technology age. But like people just used to go to work and do their job, do it for 20 or 30 years and then retire. And then I think probably starting with what millennials that started to shift. And then I don't know what the generation after millennials is called. Um, but then it's shifted even more dramatically. Right. And I would say the generation after millennials is a generation that I mean, in, a, in a kind of inspiring way, they create whatever they want. Right. They're like the leaders of like, not, you know, like 
renaming like their sexuality, their gender, like they're, they are completely like reinventing what it means to be human. So I think one of the last areas here is like, what is it reinventing what it means to work? This is what I haven't thought about this that much, but all that just came to me through both of what you shared. And I don't think we've reinvented what it means to work. And I think we definitely underestimate that fact that you'll have to shift so many times, even if we feel engaged at the moment and happy in our, in our work. Uh, I think reality is that many people will feel stuck in their job at some point in their career. Um, and then it's all about preparing for that, I guess, taking that step back, reflecting um, and understanding what does it even mean to feel stuck? which is interesting. I would say there are so many different reasons, uh, but I agree with you, Chris, like people who are staying in jobs, they often actually come across as more anxious uh, because they might be afraid of change or risk because they've stayed too long with one company or in one role. Um, their skills might be out of date. There are many different reasons, but I, I think it's also the mindset. So often that's what's holding us back. Do you think there's, well, let me say that different. Like, what do you think the, the proper answer or response is going forward? Like, what, what do you say to these people? I would say um, to work on, um, reinventing themselves, as you said, timely. What does it mean to constantly try to answer those bigger questions? And I know sometimes answer is not straightforward, but to remind ourselves, so what's important to us? Uh, and we also underestimate that all areas of our life are interrelated. So how we feel at work will also impact how we feel uh, in our relationships or there is definitely linked to our health and our well-being. Um, so I think it's an ongoing process, regardless how you experience your current role. Um, and then, particularly if you feel that there are some unhelpful fears, that you're experiencing something just to understand that more and not to push it away. I think that's their coaching plays a big role to embrace your emotions, to embrace as well your anxiety and to understand how to play with some different tools and depending on your circumstances, how to pivot, how to also step out and experiment before you even find out the, the right answer or before you know exactly to your point, what is it that you want? Sometimes that question is the most frustrating question. <laughs> I'm a little concerned that we're speaking in broad brushstrokes here. In other words, that it's um, almost vague because it's so broad. May I give you some examples of things that I'm dealing with or have dealt with and, and get your input on it, Marina? Is that Please. Thank you. So that the first thing is my spouse, my beloved wife. Uh, it's always has, her wife. It's always her fault. <laughs> it's always <laughs> this poor you woman. Know, as a man who's engaged for the, which, which time is this, Alec? Just um, my it's just my second time. Okay. Uh, we'll talk after you. As, as the comedian Jerry Seinfeld once said, right now you're playing ping pong and I'm at war. So just, you know, let's, let's talk about uh, marriage once you're married. So um, 
And I'd like to apologize. I'm not at war with my wife. Everything's fine. Don't, don't call anybody. Nobody needs to be notified. But on a professional or career front, my wife's a scientist and she's been working for the same company now for 20 years and has watched it grow from a very small startup to a very large, you know, multinational uh, biotech. And the company seems to be run by not very smart people. And I mention it because they reorganize at least once and often twice a year for 20 years. So to me as an outsider, that looks like a company that's got management issues if they have to reorganize so often. Although it may be natural for a company that grows quickly. The experience she's had is that she has successfully positioned herself over the years to never be a part of these dramatic shakeups, right? So she's got some stability and security and feels good about that. There was one time maybe six years ago that she seemed to be in the, in the, sites of the reorganization and then she successfully pivoted and now here again she's experiencing yet another what seems to be ill-advised reorg and is wondering after giving this company so much of her life and time if it's time to move to a company where she doesn't have to suffer what seems like foolish management do you have anything for that situation or or where would you have us look Perhaps I would start from asking your wife um, what's important to you. So I think that's something that we often forget, especially when we are with the same employer for a long time, because it can be easy to forget what is most important in your career as well. So going back to identifying your personal values also and goals is something that is very helpful. And I think once people are able to step out, as we know, we cannot read the label when we are in the jar and we are in the middle of restructuring. Uh, but to remind yourself what's important also in this phase of your life, because your values might change as well. So what was important to your wife maybe 20 years ago is not what's important to her now. So I would start from there. Um, and then often what I hear from my clients, of course, it's um, compensation for our time and our effort, which is valid. We all want to feel rewarded, but it's also opportunity to reassess what money means to you, particularly if you have a job that pays well, maybe, that makes you feel sometimes that you cannot leave, even if you dislike the work. Um, so. That's always really interesting conversation. I mean, it's conversation I have with myself, first of all, to be clear, but also with my clients. So maybe we are just concerned about uh, being able to take a chance on a new job because of our financial obligations. So there are all sorts of valid reasons, um, but also that can give us some indications about how to, to get unstuck if we feel stuck. So. That would be probably beginning. And then I would move to, depending again where we arrive, to some of the practical aspects. Um, and often I would say that the reoccurring cycle of things that I would say anyone should do, particularly if there is a, a time for a big shift, big change, 
how to step out, how to experiment, um, search for meaning, and then inform our next step. So almost like focus on incremental shifts. I think that's often what we miss. How that. does that sound to you? <laughs> I love it. I love the reminder that meaning or purpose or the larger picture of what we really, really want, to quote the Spice Girl, uh, is the place to start. And that so often we're taken by the circumstance or the situation or the immediate problem, in air quotes, that we don't stop to pull back. I also love what I heard you say, which is you cannot read the label when you're in the jar. That is so beautiful. I love that. Um, Alex, if you don't have anything, I've got another example that I'd love to pitch to Marina. I mean, I have an example. I don't know if we're... I can't hear you, man. I'm I, have, I, have, I have an example. Uh, okay, I don't know why you can't hear me. This is, this is, see, this is like the frustration I'm going through. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so, it's so funny. You used your wife as an example. It was probably all about you, right? You're just like, oh, I have a friend who has this. Um, so this is something I, I personally am, am coming across that I'm curious about, but I also have clients that have this where there's a lot of things that interest us. So, right, we have the thing that we're doing and maybe it's fine, maybe it's not fine, right? Like, but we're like, oh, I, I want to do, I could do this and I could do this and I could do this or I could do a little bit of each of these things. And what I noticed for myself is like, right, I want to play in like all these things because to me, that's like what life is about. I want to dabble in each area. Um, but then each area can only expand so much, right? Because I'm dividing my energy. But if you tell me, hey, you got to focus on one area, then I like, um, kind of lose the the motivation and the happiness. Do you have those those situations with people that you're like, like where where is there a win win in there instead of having to pick which way to go? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes part of the problem is that we know that we could do many things well, or we know that we have so many interests, and then it's almost like a question mark: where do I go? How do I get that clarity? And I believe it actually happens even more to experienced people like yourself. And maybe you're not motivated anymore by the same things that motivated you at the beginning of your career, maybe to prove that you were smart or hardworking. So now you know it. And it's more like a question, where do I focus my energy and, and my time? I would say in that case, it's maybe healthy to Think about your career um, in, in a sense of direction. It's almost like, right, let me get that clarity. I don't know what maybe my job title or what exactly will be the project I'll be working on in a few years' time. So it's almost like it's pointless. But if I have that direction, so that vision, call it career vision, then it's easier to also make decisions as opportunities come to you to ask yourself, is this aligned or misaligned? And uh, because that is also empowering, right? Uh, based on that, you can decide where to focus energy. And I think um, what happens when we feel stuck is that we feel stuck. We don't know what's coming next for us. So I think we could expand that um, that approach and think more like, right, what is my direction instead of what is exactly my career goal? And then make our decisions based on that. So 
In other words, you wouldn't have to reject some ideas if that still would feed and is aligned to where you believe you want to go in five or 10 or 20 years time. Is that a question for me? Where, where do I want to go in five, 10, 20 years time? It's more like a vision, right? Yeah, it is a question. Yeah. <laughs> do you have answer? <laughs> well, I do. But my answer is, I think this is the, at least for someone like me, I devised it so that I know I can see when I, I can see the image I want to have when I die and I want, and what the people are saying about me and how I'm thought. Of. And it's not about the accomplishments. It's not like, he did this or he did this, which is what it would have been when I was younger, right? He, more external accomplishments. Now it's about the impact I had, the, the value I provided to people's lives, the difference I made for them. And so when I think about that, it's like, man, I could do that in so many ways, which is really nice because it's more about who I'm being and less about the results. But at the same time, you know, we live in a world when I when I said we might need to reinvent what work looks like, we live in a world that's still results oriented, right? I don't get to pay my rent off my being a nice person, right? Or or being really kind that, you know, you can provide a lot of value and not make a lot of money. You know, my dog provides a lot of value. She doesn't make any money. Um, and so do children. And so I think like, Tying those, it was a reflection actually given to me by another coach recently, which said tying, like providing value to a monetary return, because those things aren't always linked. I kind of drifted a little bit there, but. Uh, and I am with you on that, Alex. Often, actually, when we think about direction, we could even divide career from finances. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think there could be another question, a follow-up question, which is what would bring me closest to that image? And then thinking about, right, what do I need to have to provide for myself? And what are those nice-to-have things where I can still put some effort and, and plant some seeds? Because over time, that would feed into that bigger vision I have. So it is almost like balancing the two. Uh, yes, dreaming and working towards something lo longer term, but also being pragmatic and accepting certain things and making sure that actually you do uh, tick the boxes, you also get finances. And in that sense, also you release that pressure from yourself so that you can feel fully focused on, on what you want to, to create uh, in the long run. Way to, way to deal with Alex, Marina. Thank you so much. <laughs> easy, right? Very easy. Um, we make it sound easy. <laughs> I want to talk about a lot of things, including your book, Your Kinds of Time. But I want to, uh, if you don't mind, I'll throw you one more from a different perspective, one more situation that we can invite your comments on. Is that okay? Of course. The, um, so in addition to having a wife that you've read, I'm also an employer. That is, I have an organization and the organization has yet coaches and coaches and program leaders, but we also have office staff and I am having problems filling what I would think would be a very simple position. The, uh, the position is a senior accountant, someone to take care of accounting. This traditionally has been a very 
relatively easy hire. And often the people have stayed in my company for 12, eight, three years at a time, right? For an accountant, it's not unusual for them to take the job. And in my experience, work for a dozen years um, at that same job. Currently, I've hired three different people and they've bounced out during training, you know, going for another position, going for um, deciding that it's not a good fit. Do you know what I mean? As an employer, this is super frustrating for me because I'm now, you know, three months later than I thought I would have someone in this position. And I'm none clear as to what to offer because people are leaving for different reasons or stated reasons. I'm unclear if there's something to fix or something better to offer, or is this just the new way? Like people, as you say, people are looking for. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. All right, anxious and, and eager to change, but also concerned about change. And so is this the new normal or do you think it's something that we should look at? I'm not sure. I asked the same question and I, I can, I can hear from other leaders as well, or company owners experiencing the same challenge. It made me think maybe we just talk more about it now, or it's always been like that. I'm not sure. I really don't know. It might be that some roles, uh, people perceive as stepping stone roles, so they don't stay for too long. What you describe sounds actually different. It's almost like there's no fit um, and that I would say basic drive to uh, do the work you're hired to do. What are your thoughts? Uh, I would like to hear from your perspective because I believe you interviewed them. Maybe as part of that exit chat, you had some insights from them. Well, I was, you know, to be fair, I was probably coming from a problem solving mindset. Like why didn't you stay? What should we have done or could we do differently? And that's where I get frustrated because they seem to all have different reasons of leaving in during the training period. So it's very early. You know, it's not like they stayed six months or a year and said, man, I want to go be in the circuits. It's during the training period where they've 
made an agreement, we've made an agreement and there's a clear and defined time to learn and get out. So I guess <clears throat> I want to attribute it to them as an employer and not look at, you know, and not find fault over here. But I suspect that the thing that we could do is check in more, right? Instead of like, as an employer, I sort of do the interview and then throw them to the training team instead of sort of keeping a connection throughout and making sure, how's it going? It's been a week. How's it going? It's been two weeks. You know, it may be that people need more care, nurture, or communication, I suppose, as opposed to now go talk to these people. And, and one thing is also for you to probably catch those early signs of trouble. Um, something that I found very useful when companies hire uh, is to, yes, be open and frank about what the, the role will evolve. So, so involve to, to be realistic and not to sell something that simply it's not, not going to be a reality for their employees but also to have a frank discussion about what drains your energy and what also gives you energy. And I think people leave their roles, their jobs, because they probably spend too much time on energy draining tasks. Again, that doesn't mean that as, a, as an employer, you only uh, can assign or delegate something that's super exciting all the time. So it's accepting that reality. But I think again, through conversation to try and understand how much of that role would fit their expectations and their motivation as well uh, is something that might maybe give you uh, some ideas how to potentially reshape the role or how to also check in, as you say. Some people need it more. Some are more independent. Um, they are maybe more solo players. They don't need that shared responsibility. So I think it goes back to that conversation and ongoing uh, dialogue with employees, which is not always easy. I appreciate that. Sometimes, again, things just have to be done, um, which is practice, I think, for everyone. It's not just during hiring or onboarding, but also to coach and engage people longer term. Beautiful. Thank you. That gives me some places to look. And I appreciate so much your willingness to take on these more specific examples and I uh, can see your expertise and experience. I'm almost like prepared to jump in some, to jump, jump in some coaching demo. <laughs> like what's next in That's your right. case? <laughs> and we've got our evaluation sheets ready. Just kidding. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's problem. talk about, <laughs> let's talk about your time to shine. This is your book. Subtitle is Awaken Your Greatness to Shape the World. Tell us about the book, but prompted you to write it and what do you want people to get out of it? Actually, that book uh, is inspired by my client stories and some common themes and challenges. Um, also my uh, experience and my story with developing my career, um, also shifting from marketing to talent development and coaching. Um, so that was my attempt to expand the impact of coaching. In that book, I share some Practical exercises, because I simply know that not everyone have opportunity to join executive or corporate coaching program. And, and the reason I, I wrote that book is because I just felt that so many talented and smart people feel stuck. 
in their career, in their life. Um, so that was my attempt to, to help them uh, to understand their core values, to also understand what motivates them, create their own vision, and also find courage to act, uh, embrace fears, embrace also their imperfections. Um, and in that sense, that's why it's like your time to shine uh, will change the world to believe that your, your talent matters and to get some practical ideas how to apply your insights to create what you want in your life. Who, who should be reading this book? Who are the, is it potential clients? Is it, you know, other coaches to learn? Is it the business people? So they bring people like you in to work with their teams? I would say, um, yes, aspiring coaches maybe, or coaches, they can get some ideas. Uh, how to work with their clients, um, people who struggle uh, in their life or with their career, they feel unhappy. So it's also solving, not solving, but giving ideas how to start solving some of the issues and challenges. So it's a broad audience. I also like to believe that um, maybe university students uh, will read the book. And that's my also hope somehow to integrate um, coaching in education. So young people as well. I have two girls. They are almost teenagers. So I actually played recently and uh, uh, my elder uh, read some chapters. So we were having the chat and I was thinking, wow, well, maybe this could be applicable. I don't want to be too ambitious, uh, but it's a, it's a broad uh, group of people because I like to call it practical wisdom. It's something that, again, is giving you questions often, not answers, but hopefully can also encourage you to reflect, to um, get to some conclusions or to deepen that self-knowledge and also inform your next step based on that. I love that. I love that. I mean, it's it's great for that. It's, it's for so many, but I love that you're reading it with your that your children can be reading it. Um, is there, is this something I, just out of my own curiosity, not, since you have one, is there a desire to write more books? Is there a desire to, you know, create in this way? Or is this kind of a one shot deal for you? It's possible. I also want to be very um, open to say that this was something uh, completely outside my comfort zone. So it was also my way to be courageous mm. and to expose myself to criticism. <laughs> and I enjoy the process. And that's something I also said in the book, uh, focus on the process. It's not the outcome. Um, and I actually didn't have a plan when I started writing this book, what to do with it. I just Kept writing like every day a bit. Um, I still love uh, journaling. So it is possible that um, there will be another book uh, with my hope again to bring coaching closer to people, to leaders, to younger generations um, and maybe make those coaching moments for them uh, through the books they read. So not sure yet, not, no firm plans, but uh, very possible. 
we got to, I think, Christopher, we got to talk about Young Leader Awards. Well, you know, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Alex, because I'm still hopeful that I will get one of the International Coach Federation Young Leader Awards any any day now. See, I thought you were going to go somewhere different, like that you were disappointed in me for not having gotten one. That, you know. Why, of course, we're mentioning this is that uh, Marina is the recipient of the 2022, a recipient of the 2022 International Coaching Federation Young Leader Awards. Um, I won't put you on the spot and ask you what it means to you, but it clearly identifies you as a, as a thought leader in the field. Anything you want to share with us as you look out to the future of coaching, as you look from your perspective, having worked in and with many organizations about the, how coaching will continue to develop or if it will? I'm very optimistic. I'm actually very excited because I can, I can see here in the UK and, and globally uh, how much focus is put now on coaching in organizations, but also in, in different areas of, um, of life, uh, also in social impact, in sustainability, in education. Um, so it's still a relatively new profession. I don't know if you would agree, but uh, I think we achieved a lot uh, probably from when coaching was defined as outsourcing difficult conversation <laughs> to external people to how we talk about it now. Um, I'm also part of Thought Leadership Institute at uh, ICF. Uh, there are so many research studies that prove that coaching is the key to maybe even solving some of the most challenging problems in the world. Um, I know it sounds very ambitious, but I think we should be very ambitious as uh, in our profession. Um, about what we can achieve. So I guess the part uh, of, um, and, and one of the reasons why also I received this award is that I found a model to do good for some uh, communities who needed help and also uh, bring coaches together to create impact in organizations through coaching leaders. So if I could do it, uh, I guess that that's also uh, inspiration to others uh, to find a way to, to make their own impact in, in our profession. And I'm always thrilled to hear from ICF how many new coaches they credentialed. So I believe that actually we need more and more because there is place for everyone. And as we work together to integrate coaching in every part of society. I think that's very, very exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing what future brings. What are your thoughts? Because you are in the same profession. Um, what are you hoping to see in maybe five, 10 years? Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the question, but if you don't mind, may I ask you a couple of follow-ups first before we answer that question you posed to up? Or do you sure. need me to do that before? One of the trends we've heard about from futurists especially is that there are arguably three main uh, North American jobs that are in danger of being overtaken by artificial intelligence or AI. One of them being attorneys, which may not be a major loss, I'm kidding. Um, and the other one is coaching. Another one is coaching, right? So what are your thoughts as you look towards the future? Is coaching a profession that could be done 
adequately or perhaps even better by artificial intelligence? Or is there, is there a place for the human coach in, your, in the future that you see? I think that um, there could be benefits from AI in coaching profession. I am not convinced that coaching can be completely um, replaced simply because we work with uh, not only minds, but, but also hearts of our clients. So that's something that unless you convince me otherwise, um, I doubt. I think that that's something where actually humans will still play a major role. I, I like where you're looking. The, the thing I'm thinking is that on the one hand, we would get way fewer leading questions, right? We get much more open-ended questions. On the other hand, uh, so many, so often with a client, my experience is that there's some vision or inkling or like sixth sense or tingle that we sometimes follow in the conversation as opposed to the rational, logical next question, right? So theoretically, there's there's some future for those of us with. Actually, I like to say when I'm doing some uh, mentoring or supervision that on the mastery coaching is a messy process. It is messy. So I'm not sure if AI could play a major role there. Because it's messy for reason, as you say. It's messy because you're led by your client and you also, you're using your intuition. Um, a lot. So again, I don't know, maybe there will be some advancements in the field, but for now, I think that's what clients appreciate. And that's what we all humans like we need for our own development. Christopher, you know, we never, we've never, when we've had futurists, we've never asked, and it makes me think about, right? Like there is that brilliance of a computer or AI could ask like, questions with no attachment, no leading, simply like curiosity, right? It can be designed like that. But it can't actually, at least currently, it can't actually relate on an emotional level. It can't connect. It can't be, I don't know that the computer can as a being. And if we look at coaching, I think, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that I talk to that are when we're going through the MCC process that are like, oh, I got the being down, right? And they're not, and they're missing the, the some other piece. Or they have the, um, maybe the, the, they're asking the right questions, but as they're doing the right things, their being isn't down. And that, and I noticed like in my MCC process, that's the thing. I, I, I like seem to go between one and the other. I'm either, the being is great, but then the, the you know, I'm asking leading questions or something, right? I'm, or if I, I start practicing the other and it flips and I, and that's the thing that I wonder, could AI even replace that? Or can AI just pose great questions that has people think, but doesn't actually have those other components that coaching does. And, and, you know, Hey, if computers can do that, then I don't know, I guess we'll have to invent new things. <laughs> it would be time then for us to immediately start thinking about career change, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to become coach computer designers. Exactly. <laughs> I see how you made that. I see how you made that go full circle there. Beautiful. Become an attorney. <laughs> Marie, Marie. The, uh, or, and Alex, you and I can talk about the third field, which would be uh, in the United States anyway, baseball umpiring. Meanwhile, back to Arena. The, um, the other thing that I think bears us looking at or addressing, if you're willing, Marina, is 
uh, we sit here, you in the UK, and as a, I, I believe you identify as a Caucasian woman, and me in um, the United States identifying as a Caucasian man, and I believe Alex identifies as a Caucasian man, that much of our discussion, at least in the coach training and coaching um, communities, is about DEIB. I recently heard Latanya Wilkins speak at the Midwest Regional Coaches Conference here in the United States, and she's opened by saying, this is not going to be a DEIB talk. This is going to be a talk about the future of coaching, of which DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, needs to be a critical part of the future of coaching. I wonder if uh, it's fair to ask you to comment on that and what the, as a young leader award winner, what the future is that you see for us to expand the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging of the coaching. Thank you for asking me that question. Again, the big question <laughs> for another also probably long debate, uh, but I've seen that that field changing a lot. Actually, in the past, in my corporate role, um, I actually worked on, on shaping at that time first diversity and inclusion program. And it was very narrowly focused still on uh, women in senior roles and also minorities in leadership positions. And I, I would say that changed so much when I um, checked recently. Now there are so many roles in, in business uh, solely focused and the whole teams working on integrating, creating that more inclusive culture and working on this belonging aspect as well. So that's indication that there is need, but probably there's no one solution. Um, I don't know, part of the problem, or maybe not the problem, but the reason why we are not moving faster is that there are so many good things that can be done or so many challenges that we need to solve. So there's no straight line. Uh, but I can see also big effort from International Coaching Federation uh, to focus exactly on that aspect, to use coaching as a, as, a, as a tool, as an approach to accelerate that change. Um, I think you're all aware of the, the challenge it exists. Um, it's then the question of what would be most meaningful at the moment. And there's always debate, different perspectives, diversity there as well. Um, so to answer your question, I think so much changed and it's changing and it's exciting. Uh, Probably we are not doing enough. There was at a recent ICF conference debate. Are we coaches doing enough? Probably not. Um, then is the question, what else can be done? And does it have to always be more, maybe just focusing on most pressing issues? Maybe it's just different, I don't know, creative approaches, uh, how to scale up um, with having that, that uh, key objective in mind. Um, I'm again hopeful and, and I would say I'm excited. Uh, I read almost every day articles in the coaching world. I'm, I'm sure you, Alex and Chris, you, you come across the, the similar insights um, and that convince, convinces me that things are moving in, into the right direction. Uh, but then it's always the question, are we too slow? What else? Or we maybe drop something or deprioritize and do something different or 
maybe start from big organizations where we can have most impact and so on and so forth. So again, long list of questions um, for debate for us in this profession. I appreciate you taking the time to comment on that. Um, Alex, anything else for you? Shall we uh, ask her a, a parting thought or I think you had something? Oh, actually, Marina asked us questions. I forgot. Sorry. Uh, the question was about the future of coaching or about AI, Marina? I've forgotten. Forgive me. It was future of coaching. Maybe, actually, that was part of your answer. <laughs> I've forgotten. Yes. Uh, Alex, do you want to take that? The future of coaching. You know, it's hard for me to answer it inside of, well, I'll just say it because, but this sounds bleak. I think our world is changing fast. And I think sometimes when you change, you got to go back before you go forward. Sometimes it's like two steps back before you go forward. And I think that uh, we are on the precipice. I don't know like how close our life, you know, our children's lives of things radically changing. And so I think coaching along with every other profession is going to change with it. Um, so it's hard for me to say, I don't know. I have, you know, I don't know. I think until that happens, um, we, we are going to be working with a lot of people who don't know what they want, uh, who are trying to find like, you know, more peace, inner peace in their life. Uh, more people who are trying to find joy and better relationships. Um, you know, when I look at when I look out at the world, what I read a lot about is anxiety, depression, stress, unhappiness, fear about the future. And I think right media plays into a lot of that, right? Like that it it's it sells better than no. We don't all read articles about everyone being happy and perfect. Um, but I think that I think that there is some of that, right? When I when I look at my friends more of them have anxiety and higher stress than I've ever seen. And maybe that comes with age. Um, also in responsibility, I don't know. But I think that the future of coaching is not only going to be supporting people to be their best, but supporting people to simply like, be okay with things as they are, regardless of whether we like them or not finding full approval with the world as it is, even if it's not the way we want it to be. Thanks. I appreciate that. Beautiful. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? Please. Well, I must admit that um, I bring my history into this. So having been a coach for 27 years or maybe eight, um, coaching has always been a great profession to be in. In other words, uh, whether the economy is up or down, coaching has been a great field. The world has been, you know, shocked by events like 9-11 or other world-changing events, coaching has always been a good profession uh, for me and the people that I, that I know of in coaching. So I believe that in this time where we see, at least in the immediate future, continued polarization, you know, more and more political polarizations across the world and sort of uh, a tangle between authoritarianism and through democracy, um, as we see more dramatic stressors like climate change and other things globally, um, I think that individuals will need more support. And even as we get further away from each other through the use of technology and, and less potentially intimate or vulnerable with one another, 
I think that coaching provides an access to community and connection and intimacy and vulnerability, even as it supports people in what may be a time of unclarity or lack of motivation. So I think it's not only a healthy and useful profession, I think it, it may be vital as we work to get back in communication with people who may think differently than us, as we work to get back into relationship with each other and sort of beyond the technological divide. So I have great hopes for the future of coaching and the development of coaching, not only in the DEIB space to include people that have traditionally been excluded from the coaching world, both as customers and as providers, but also that coaching can morph and develop, as, as Alex said at the beginning of the show, doing important work with men about being men and you doing important work with organizations and individuals in their relationship to work, which is such a huge and important definer of ourselves or our self-image or our cultural um, identities. So, sorry, that's a little bit of a uh, soapbox or, uh, or a sermon, perhaps, but uh, that's what I see and I'm grateful. And I like that answer. It makes me think that the role of coaching is not to take clients from A to, to B. It's almost like... To um, support people or even the next level of consciousness uh, and, and maybe it sounds like big or dramatic now but it is it is um, it is my hope too so I love your answers thank you I've got two more questions if you have time for us do you have still a few minutes I know that we're pushing back time long here. shoot yes please thanks the first is, I've asked many people on this program, and I'd, I'd like to ask you too. You feel that coaching is ultimately a spiritual endeavor? Answer is yes. Very short. <laughs> Very clear. Thanks. This is something that I've heard from coaches, you know, uh, young and old, a long time ago and recently. And so I'm, I'm grateful to hear that because it is for me too. And secondly, what's a parting thought or a parting shot, something you'd like a few thousand coaches to think about today or to take with it? Hmm. Um, we talked about so many different things today. So I'm, I'm thinking where to focus my <laughs> final thought. And maybe actually that's the thing. So that we should allow ourselves to be confused not only aspiring coaches, new coaches, experienced coaches, but in general, we human beings. Um, and to not give up on searching for meaning and then focusing our attention um, on experimenting and learning about all possible versions of ourselves. I think that was pretty good. What do you think, Alex? <laughs> uh, you know, you asked me not to judge our our, our people's responses and answers. <laughs> we write about them after on Yelp, you know, we like put a whole thing, but you know, no, that was great. Marina, Marina has been a wonderful guest. A five-star guest. Yeah. Five-star guest. Judge yeah, me, perfect. judge me when we, when we finish our recording, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marina Jankovic, I'm so grateful you uh, coming and joining us today. The book again, 
available on Amazon or wherever to get your fine books or ebooks is Your Time to Shine, Awaken Your Grace, Greatness to Shape the World by Marina Jankovic. And um, how can people find out more about you? Are you available on LinkedIn? Is there a website? How can we find out? Yes, I am on LinkedIn. So um quite active there. And I have a website, so marinayankovic.com. Very clear, which is Marina, M-A-R-I-N-A hyphen Jankovic, which is spelled J-A-N-K-O-V-I-C dot com. You can also find her at Marina Jankovic MCC on LinkedIn. Marina, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a complete delight. Thank you for staying up there in the UK at this unreasonable hour. We're grateful to you. you. Thank you both. So absolute pleasure. I loved sharing space with you here today. Likewise, we'd love to have you back anytime. And Mr. Alex Terranova, you're available at thedreamofmason.com where people can find out more about the Alchemy of Men Retreat for 2023, as well as your book, Fictional Authenticity, and the coaching that you do and the work that you do with Evan Rose in relationships. Anything else I should fail to mention? I'm, I'm just happy we got, I got some of my personal problems and your relationship problems solved today. Good, good deal for a podcast, right? Oh, no, just in time for your trip to a vacation spot and I an idyllic vacation. Thank you for being with us today, sir. I'm uh, Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way. And I thank you, dear listener, for being with us again for an episode of The Coaching Show, bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, leaders in the field, and people you just need to know about because they're interesting right here on The Coaching Show at Accomplishment Media or wherever you've got your podcast each and every week. I thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.